0: Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is The Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good afternoon. Today is Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. And welcome to The Muni Lowdown, the podcast produced by DebtWire Municipals. Today we're continuing our series of guest speakers called State of Play. And today we are honored to have the chairman of the FOMB, the Financial Oversight and Management Board of Puerto Rico, David Skeel. David, welcome to our show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: It's our pleasure. And we also like to uh, bring back to, to our show our intrepid reporter based in San Juan, Puerto Rico, Eva Lorenz. Eva, welcome back.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: And I'll briefly mention uh, Mr. Skeel's uh, He is currently chair of the FOMB, the Financial Oversight Management Board, and he is actually currently a professor of corporate law specializing in bankruptcy at the University of Pennsylvania, and he's also taught at Temple University, and he was part of the original board when then-President Barack Obama was there for the creation of the, the law of PROMESA, which is the Puerto Rico Oversight Management and Economic Stability Act back in 2016. All right. So I'll cut to the chase. Basically, Ava will be discussing the latest on the uh, debt restructuring plan. Basically, I will give the floor to Ava. Ava, take it away.
2: Thank you very much, Mr. Skill. Welcome to our show. I wanted to ask you about the debt restructuring plan for the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. Now, several bond insurers and other creditors have said that the proposed debt adjustment plan may not be feasible because the Commonwealth fiscal plan discusses that by the mid 2030s, Puerto Rico may be going into deficit again or it may be going into a fiscal crisis again. What makes this plan feasible? by the wording in the fiscal plan?
1: Well, there, there are two things that I would say to that. The first is that debt restructurings themselves <laughs> typically have a positive effect on the economy. They uh, Restructuring debt that has been bogging you down triggers uh, investment and other positive uh, developments for the economy. But those are things that we can't really take into account yet because they haven't yet happened. So first thing I would say is uh, an effective debt restructuring will hopefully improve the the economy just by itself and just by the investment that gets attracted as a result. The other thing I would say is this debt restructuring is absolutely affordable for, uh, for Puerto Rico. One of the things that focused on throughout the negotiations was making sure that what Puerto Rico has to pay in any given year is affordable and is a lot less than what Puerto Rico was saddled with before uh Pro Mesa was enacted. So if there were no restructuring of the debt at all, there would be years when Puerto Rico had to pay up to $4.2 billion. Under this plan, uh, Puerto Rico will never have to pay uh, for the life of the plan as a result of the plan more than $1.15 billion a year. Um, $1.15 billion is a lot of uh, uh, a lot of money, but it's a small percentage of the Puerto Rico economy. It's it's less than eight percent of Puerto Rico's own revenues, not even counting uh, federal revenues. It's an amount that, that Puerto Rico can pay. This this is the thing that we focused on most or have focused on most in the negotiations. And I, I'm excited about the plan. If we can confirm this plan, I think uh, we'll be doing a, a very big favor to the Puerto Rico economy.
2: The biggest roadblock to towards this debt adjustment plan seems to be the dispute over the pensions. Uh, as you you know, the legislature and the government oppose cuts to pension. I wanted to ask you, how much more money will the government of Puerto Rico have to put in to avoid pension cuts? Because the amounts I have heard are are like 40, 60 million, 90 million. And so I just would like to know, How much money will the government have to put in to avoid the pension cuts? And if that amount is small, why is the FOMB insisting on cutting pensions when that puts it in a confrontation with the government?
1: The numbers that are getting thrown around, the 40 or 60 or $90 million, uh, significantly understate what the cost of undoing the pension cut would do. Um, Having no pension cut at all, the cost of that over the 30-year life of the plan is more like two billion dollars, um, not um, not 90 million dollars. So it's it's a very real um, cost, uh, very significant cost. It's also really important to to put all of this in context. We have bent over backwards to protect pensions as much as we can. So if you look at what the, um, what the plan, the adjustments for the pension do, the first thing to note is anybody who is making under $1,500 a month in pensions doesn't get any um, cut at all. The the cuts or the adjustments are only for pensions above $1,500. That ends up meaning that more than 70% of pension beneficiaries have have no cuts at all. As I said, we bent over backwards to to make sure that folks who are truly vulnerable will not be hurt in any way. The the significant majority of pension beneficiaries are not gonna have any adjustment um, at all. In our view, it it wasn't possible to eliminate the cuts um, altogether. The other thing that needs to be put in context is, this may, these may have been the most badly funded pensions um, in America, certainly of, of any public entity that has filed for bankruptcy. There were uh, over $50 billion in pension obligations almost no money at all. Um, It was about $1 billion uh, that was set aside to, or or that's still there, to pay for um, those pensions. So these are almost completely unfunded pensions. I don't believe it would be, uh, we'd be able to confirm a plan that didn't make any pension um, uh, adjustments at all. The other thing that has to be taken into consideration is, um, this what pension beneficiaries are getting is much, much more than other creditors of Puerto Rico are getting. I think that we can justify it. I think we can persuade the court that there are reasons why pensions need to be better protected than other um, kinds of creditors are but I don't think you can get away with an adjustment of of zero. Um, And with that as our starting point, we have made it as we protected, uh, we've protected uh, all of the truly vulnerable pension beneficiaries, and we have minimized the cut as much as we can.
2: So you're saying that that this is also a requirement in bankruptcy, that you have to have some sort of cut on the pensions, even if uh, you you cannot treat it that, and that you will have problems. Even, even by doing this kind of cut, you will still have problems because you're treating this particular group of unsecured creditors differently. I, I think you correctly.
1: you've stated all of that uh, accurately. The particular requirement in the bankruptcy code is, and, and this is the technical term, which you're probably familiar with and many of our listeners will be familiar with, but not everybody will. Um, the particular uh-huh. term is unfair discrimination. The plan, uh, a plan of adjustment cannot unfairly discriminate against or in favor of any any class of creditors. So the argument, and this is an argument that will be made uh, almost certainly as an objection to the plan, is that paying pension beneficiaries about 95% of what they're owed unfairly discriminates against creditors who are getting 50% or 30% or 20% of what they're owed. I don't think that that argument will succeed. I think there are good reasons why pension beneficiaries are more vulnerable than other creditors. The government has to protect its most uh, vulnerable citizens. I think there are good reasons why pension beneficiaries get paid more, but there is that legal requirement that, that has to be taken into consideration.
2: Mr. Skill, I found out about this late yesterday, but the House has a counter proposal where instead of cutting pensions, above 1500 they want the, the board to agree to just cut pensions those pensions above $2000 a month the 8.5% cut be done to pensions above $2000 a month and also to allow the legislature to legislate if there is a surplus legislate so that this this Cuts that were done can be reinstated if there is a surplus. I just wanted to know would the, would the board be willing to negotiate some sort of deal like that with the house? And no, they told me they have offered this counter proposal. They have spoken about this to the board. So I don't know if you knew about this.
1: Well, I have. Uh, I've seen your story on this, and I've seen uh, other statements that the Speaker of the House has made um, in the press about this. And we are in. Uh-huh continuous conversation with the speaker and with other key legislators and the governor in Puerto Rico. I don't want to speculate about what we can or can't do or what would or would not be possible because that will all be subject to to discussions. My big takeaway from um, the speaker's statements is that he's willing to negotiate and that he realizes just how important it is to complete this plan of adjustment. I mean, Puerto Rico cannot get out of the quagmire that it's in until the debt is restructured and it moves on. And everybody involved, I I hope and think, knows this. The speaker's statement is very, very encouraging uh, along those lines without speculating about what's possible, what's not possible. The fact that he, he recognizes this needs to get done and we need to make um, the plan of adjustment work is, is, I think, a very good sign.
2: The Financial Oversight Board has already told the Title III court that it may use its preemption powers to implement the dev adjustment plan precisely because of this uh, dispute over the pensions. Could you elaborate strat- on what strategy does the Financial Oversight Board Plan to follow in achieving that, and why does the FOMB think it will be successful, and, and what impact, if you if you if you know, what impact it may have on the bondholders? Well, the the first
1: thing that I would say is I very much hope that we, the legislature and the governor, will all end up on the same same page, and the, that the legislature and the governor will legislate the debt in connection with with the plan of adjustment. As I was saying a minute ago, in in reference to the speaker's recent comments, I think everybody knows that Puerto Rico needs to get out of bankruptcy. And so my hope is that this question of whether the Oversight Board could, could issue the debt without legislation, my hope is that that just ends up being the sort of thing that people like me write law review articles about. about about whether you could do it or you could not do it. But that said, our our lawyers do believe that it would be possible if if there's no alternative to issue debt without it being formally legislated by the legislature. And, And what makes it possible is promesa and bankruptcy law. Promesa and bankruptcy law give the bankruptcy court the power, give the Title III court the power to um to approve to put the court stamp of approval on um, on debt that would be issued in connection with the plan so our lawyers believe it would be possible I think it would be better for everybody if the legislature um authorized the debt did it the normal way I think the creditors would be happier that way and and I think we would all be better off and I I, I hope that's where we end up
2: yeah but this is this will be a novel thing in the courts if it happens. It would be totally new, in terms of uh, of having a bond issue without the legislative approval. Am I correct? I mean, this has not happened in any other jurisdiction.
1: It's not I- what ordinarily happens. I think there have been variations on it in um, in the past, but and I I can't think of uh, I can't give you specific. Um, examples off the top of my head, so I don't want to to misspeak. Um, But what I will say is it would be unusual. The normal way uh, to issue new debt in connection with a plan relating to a public entity like Puerto Rico is for the legislature to approve it. And as I said, I hope and I'm cautiously optimistic that's exactly what's what's going to happen here.
2: I would like to ask you about the status of the negotiations with the bunning shooters, AMBAC and FGIC. I understand that currently you're trying to reach some sort of agreement with them so that you can, for the uh, July 27 debt disclosure confirmation hearing. If you could tell us what is going on with that right now. And, and also, I understand that you have to file uh an amended plan, if I'm not mistaken, before the hearing, uh, according to what I saw in a court in one of the court dockets. So could you let us know a little bit about what is going on there?
1: Sure. Well, there is a, there's a happy answer to that question, which is we have reached an agreement in principle with Ambac and um and Fitchick, And assuming that uh, the the agreement gets papered properly, as we like to say. It's an agreement in principle, and we have to incorporate it into, into a signed agreement. Assuming nothing goes goes off out of kilter with that, we'll have an agreement uh, with AMBAC and Fijic. I can't talk about the particular terms of the agreement because it's it's not finalized yet, but it has been announced, and we are hopeful that we'll have it finalized soon. Judge Swain uh, gave us 10 days. To finalize it, I forget exactly when that ends. I think it may end on Sunday. Um, yes, so it it, yes. it it ends in the next next few days. So hopefully Sunday we will formally announce the agreement and the terms of the agreement. But we are uh, we have every expectation that. We will have an agreement on Sunday, and and this is very good news for everybody. This is another of the major groups of creditors who are lined up uh, behind the plan at this point. Assuming that AmBank and Fidjic and we do end up finalizing this agreement, a very large majority of the creditors will have will have committed themselves to the um, the plan of adjustment.
2: So that's good news. I wanted to ask you about what if the what will happen if the debt adjustment plan is not ultimately. Confirm. Some have said that the judge may dismiss the Title III case. What others have said that the board will have to amend the current the debt adjustment plan uh, once more and submit a new one to the Title III court. What could we expect if that if, in the event that happens? What are the alternatives mm-hmm. explored by the board?
1: Well, if I I would be remiss if I didn't once again start out by saying I, I hope. Uh, I hope we don't have to answer that question. I hope that um, mm-hmm. this plan gets confirmed. I hope it gets confirmed this year, and I hope that Puerto Rico is marching out of bankruptcy by the end of the year. So I hope that this is just another one of those academic questions. But if it were, if it were to happen, if um, there were to be an impasse, if the plan could not be confirmed um, for some reason, that the nice thing about bankruptcy is is that doesn't end. There everything, you can try again. So you can amend the plan and try to persuade the court to approve the further amended plan. And and it would be very unusual for a court to not confirm a plan without giving some guidance as to what's wrong with the plan. And so what we would do is we would listen to what Judge Swain said, and we would try to amend the plan to meet any concerns that she has, anything's, anything that she concludes doesn't make it confirmable, and, and we would file another plan the only way the case would get dismissed and judge does have the power to to uh, dismiss the case but the only way it's likely to get dismissed would be if judge Swain concluded there's just not, no hope that we're going to get to a confirmed plan that whatever the problem is so serious and can't be remedied or isn't going to be remedied that that there's no hope for a confirmed plan that is a very very unlikely standard to be met I I believe that the Plan that's on the table is a is a terrific plan. I, I'm hopeful that it is confirmable as it as it stands. I hope that it does in fact uh, get confirmed, and I I think there's a very good chance it will. You know, if we continue on the course that we're on.
2: Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, I asked that question because you know we have the prophets of the apocalypse that say no. <laughs> so I just wanted to clarify that. Just to
1: follow up, I mean I. Uh, completely agree with you that 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 would be, that that is uh, something that prophets of the apocalypse um, think about. I I don't think that is, I think it's extraordinarily unlikely that um, that would uh, happen, particularly given the the progress that's being made right now.
2: Could you provide us with an update on the debt adjustment plan for the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority? Because it appears that that the debt adjustment plan is is kind of in the air right now. I just would like to know what is the status, what is what what are the problems that it may be facing, if you could give us some insight into that.
1: Absolutely. So just to put it. Into context, what has happened up to this point? At the time, or by the time that the pandemic hit um, back in March of 2020, we had a restructuring support agreement in place that had the support of a a very substantial majority of the creditors of um, of Prepa. So um, there was a restructuring support agreement in place. There was a date set. Uh, I think it was originally June 2020, or or the final date that was set was June 2020 for a um, for a trial. And a determination whether the restructuring support agreement should be approved. We were very close to confirming a plan, or not to confirming, but to being on the path to confirming a plan of adjustment for PREPA um, before the pandemic had. The pandemic uh, obviously derailed everything. The uh, restructuring support agreement is still there, and so we and the creditors will revisit it. Hopefully we'll revisit it very, uh, relatively soon. The process has been slowed by the fact that um, that we've been focusing on the Commonwealth Plan of Adjustment. Once that's in place, if if we are able to have a confirmation hearing in November, which is the plan for the Commonwealth Plan of Adjustment, hopefully even before then, we will be talking seriously to the creditors and hopefully reaching an agreement either uh, to pr- uh, preserve the existing RSA in exactly the same form or as tweaked to adjust uh, to the things that have happened in um, in the past year. So there is that RSA out there. We expect to be negotiating actively with creditors in the near term. My hope is that we'll be in a position to confirm a plan, you know, not too far into to 2022. It's been slowed down a bit by the pandemic and by the Commonwealth negotiations, but it is very much on our radar screen. We, we hope to be working on that soon. And obviously, other things have been happening during the, the same time, such as the, the transformation or the process of transforming PREPA. Um, the first big step of which is bringing in Luma to run the transmission and distribution, which uh, was transferred to Luma as operator uh, last month, as, as I'm sure yes. you're, you're well aware.
2: Pretty much when the generation assets are put on their private management sometime in, I guess, a December when they announced this, uh, it's when the the government plans to announce ed, an agreement with some of of these people. That's after that, then that's when you may be the debt adjustment plan may be taking place for PREPA. Uh, then
1: I think that's right. Um, the two don't necessarily have to go together. We could be doing the restructuring before the generation operator uh, processes is um, is finalized. But it's easier if they if they work in tandem and in terms of the timeline, I do think that is roughly the timeline. I think we'll be talking to creditors soon. I hope that, that uh, not too far into 2022, we'll have a proposed plan on the table and we'll be talking about um, the confirmation process.
2: Mr. Skill, those are all of the questions that I have. I thank you very much for participating in our Pod Muni uh, Lowdown podcast.
1: It has been my pleasure. I'd love to do it again. And I, uh, I really appreciate the uh, very good questions you asked and the opportunity to talk about some of these issues that are just so important for the people of Puerto Rico.
2: Well, thank you very much, sir.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: Uh... Uh, david Skeel it's a it's a pleasure as well so uh gracias and uh as they said maybe we'd like to have you again sometime in the future
1: that'd be great yeah thanks so much for mm-hmm. um for having me this i, I it won't surprise you i love talking about this stuff um especially <laughs> well, yeah, especially when fun. especially when there's a little bit of good news uh which there had not <laughs> been for a couple of years in fact a lot of good news at the
0: moment and that's our show for today many thanks for our participants the uh, chairman of the board, uh, the FOMB, Mr. David Skeel, and our reporter in San Juan, Puerto Rico, Eva Lorenz. But most of all, thanks to our listeners out there who tune in week after week for the latest on distressed mini debt on the mini lowdown, the podcast produced by Wire Municipals. Take care, everybody. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again.